Ladies and gentlemen, now it's too late with Alan Mosley. Guys, everybody, everybody calm down. So loud. And then nothing. Nothing. It's nice it's as that. if a million voices suddenly cried out. <laughs> and we're suddenly silenced. That's um, control. What are, what are we doing? Oh yeah, welcome back to It's Too Late. I am your host, Alan Mosley. Joined as always by the number one producer in late night. It's Dave Wolomowski. Dave. How are you doing? I'm hanging in there. I've been working a lot. I just yeah. got home just now. Yeah. And it's it's wearing on me, but I'm, I feel alive. I'm excited to yeah. be here. I got to, you know, Dave, I, I got to tell you, we did our we did our Monday night It's Too Late community live stream, which I mm -hmm. haven't advertised. So that, that this is a plug. This is the worst plug ever. We're doing, so <laughs> I think we're trying Monday nights. We're doing the It's Too Late community live stream where our fans and supporters can get on and yell at us directly about what they do and don't like on the program. Oh, that's convenient. And this past Monday, um, we were trying to drum up support for the show because you, you, you know the drill is if we mm -hmm. go a certain amount of time without a donation, then we say, all right, if we don't get another donation, then we're going to cut, we're going to cut the stream. We're out of here. And yeah. someone messaged Dave, someone messaged and said, how much money do I have to pay to get Dave Willemowski on here? Whoa. Yeah. That's wow. That gives yeah. me the warm fuzzies. Yeah. And apparently we, it wasn't enough. So, no. <laughs> so we didn't we didn't work it out, but you know, I just wanted you to know that people were thinking about you oh. in in a monetary sense. <laughs> How much are you worth? Yeah, at least five ten bucks. Actually, the answer turned out to be eight dollars and fifty cents. Yeah. So right, right, yeah. right in there, right in there where you predicted. Actually, yeah, oh, there we go. Yeah. See, except for I, except I for they word. gave the money and then you didn't show up. So now we got a riot on our hands. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyway, you know, I'm trying to start things off kind of lighthearted tonight because it just seems like every single week now we're having to do another in memoriam segment. It's getting really sad around here, and 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 it started with Norm Macdonald. And did you know? Our most watched episode on the platform Odyssey was the episode we did about Norm Macdonald. Nice. Yeah, really cool. Um, and now his very good friend, who had just performed a fantastic, uh, a fantastic remembrance of Norm, his friend Bob Saget has passed away. Do we have a picture of Bob Saget? <laughs> Dave. Oh. That's not Bob Saget. Although I do kind of wish that person was dead instead of Bob Saget. <laughs> or or if Bob has to go take that guy with him. Yeah. Uh no, okay, okay come on for real. Do we have a picture Hold of on, Bob let Saget? See. Let me check here. All right. This one. There he is. Uh yeah, that's him. God. Yeah. Rip. <sighs> um impressive neck though. Yeah, I loved him in half baked. Yeah. That's what everybody says. But you know, and every and and obviously a lot of people were fans of Full House growing up, and yeah, you know Danny Tanner and all that. But I actually, believe it or not, I actually always think of you know before we had YouTube to watch all of our cat videos, mm -hmm. we had Bob Saget. He oh he yeah 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 he personally toured around the country collecting cat videos on VHS mm -hmm. and brought them to us. Yeah, that's that's national no small, treasure. Yeah. yeah, um, so. I really don't have a joke prepared. It's more just, 
It's more oh, just shit. quit. Why, why is it that when the you've seen you've seen the graphics? Why is it when the when the Grim Reaper is walking up to the little claw machine and yeah. it's like that machine is full of like cops and politicians, mm-hmm. and he got Bob can sag it. It's not fair. It isn't fair. What do you think? Hmm, I don't know. What do you think Bob Saget and Jeffrey Epstein are talking about right now? Wow. I really hope they're not rooming together right now. Yeah, I, it, it's just a joke. You know, <laughs> I, I had to I had to talk one of our fans off the ledge because he was going around telling everybody, well, I'm glad he's dead because he was a, a monster and a pedophile. And I was like, nope, no, he wasn't. That's all... That's all not true, and all the people that they said were his victims all came out and said that that was not true. So I've I've disabused you of that narrative. And then this guy said, "Well, I'm going to keep telling people that anyway." Yeah, because that's, that's how the that's how the internet works. Is yeah. that well, me sp- me spreading this lie is more entertaining than you <laughs> telling me the truth. <laughs> so Bob Saget was not a pedophile, unlike most of the other people we talk about on the show. That's good to hear. Yeah, like like Betty White. Oh, the worst. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he wasn't even the only celebrity death this week. We also lost Sidney Poitier. We got a picture of Sidney Poitier? Yeah, there he is right there. Famous South oh. African president, Sidney Poitier. Oh. Um, you know, as it pertains to Sidney Poitier, of course, you know, he's he was in a bajillion films. You know, one of the most influential early black actors in Hollywood really blazed a lot of trails for a lot of people. Um, and you got to figure like the one, the movie a lot of people bring up is guess who's coming to dinner. And that was a really like groundbreaking controversial movie at that time. Like imagine being back in 1967 and watching a movie about a black guy colonizing a young white woman. Whoa. That was huge. Yeah. That's what she said. It's true. <laughs> Wait, oh, what? Blazing Saddles. It's yeah. true. It's true. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Now, so now we've lost the Saget fans and we've lost the Poitier fans. <laughs> That's All a right. huge demographic for the show, too. It is a huge demographic. But I'll tell you what's not a huge demographic. This is where we're going to bring them back, though, Dave. All right. Did you see all the hoopla in the news from the Supreme Court hearings last week about the Biden mandates and the comments that were made by Supreme Court Justice Sonia Sotomayor? Did you see all that crap? I did not. Okay, yeah. Dave, as the producer, that's the part where you say, oh, yeah, Alan, what did oh, yeah. you think about that? I was riveting. Jesus. What was your, what's your take on this is This is what he's doing, by the way, y'all. All right, so anyway... Um, <laughs> Sonia Sotomayor, take a look at this article right here. This is what I'm kind of uh, referencing. Uh, the oral arguments on Biden's vaccine mandate were a total disaster. Uh, and there's there's the wise Latina, as they say right there. So I, I want to just go over a short list of some of the things that this woman actually said at the hearings. Now, keep in mind, as a justice, she's supposed to be an impartial arbiter. She's the yeah. judge sitting on the panel that's supposed to be hearing arguments. She's not supposed to be making arguments. She's supposed to be hearing arguments. These are some of the things that, yeah, this is some of the things that she said. Now, don't make fun of Latinas. They'll cut you with razors. Mm. Didn't we talk about, it feels like we talked about that. I got got some in my family. 
Oh. The Polish and the Polish and the Latinas seem to get together well. That's that's kind of weird, actually. Isn't it? <laughs> All right, it, it, we're getting we're getting super yeah, we're, sorry. Here. All right. Um, so here's some of the things she said during the hearings. So first, she says that the uh, that the vaccines stop transmission. So that's one feather in the cap of why everyone should be mandated to take the vaccine. Yeah, so that's just patently false, and we know that to be false. This is a Supreme Court justice that said this in open court. Um, she, she She went on to say this. She said that the Omicron variant of the virus is just as deadly as the Delta version. So we know this to be 100% 100% incorrect. If anything, Omicron is really sort of breaking the narrative down because so many Omicron is spreading so widely and yet no one's going to the hospital and you're not seeing all these adverse reactions from Omicron whereas Delta was was heavier. She oh, says God. that Omicron is is just as if not more deadly than Delta. So that's another reason why she thinks that there should be mandates. Can you yell the, objection against the judge? This is the impartial arbiter deciding your fate, Dave. That's who this woman is. Now, here's a, here's a big one. Are you ready for this? She said, 100,000 children are in serious condition and on ventilators around the country right now due to coronavirus. She said, quote, we have over 100,000 children, which we've never had before, in serious condition and many on ventilators, unquote. So they actually keep they actually track that stat. Yeah, and weird. and the actual number is three thousand three hundred and forty two. And most of the most of those are incidental cases. Like they're not they're not in serious condition at hospital because of COVID. They're like in serious condition at hospital because like they broke their leg or something on the playground. So oh, that's, that's just that's a bold that's a bold faced lie to the tune of several zeros on the number. You know, that's, just that's it. It's relative. Simple mistake. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, you also, by the way, it wasn't just her. You also had Justice Breyer who argued that hospitals are at capacity because of the disease, specifically due to unvaccinated individuals getting ill. So again, that's just patently incorrect. So not only are hospitals not at capacity, um, actually hospital capacity is way better now than basically at any point during the pandemic. Um, but as we also know, because of the aforementioned point, it's yeah. not it's not the unvaccinated, it's the vaccinated getting Omicron because all the jabs they took is not preventing transmission. All right. <clears throat> the last the last little icing on the cake here before we close is she she kind of she kind of waxed philosophical for a moment and said, you know, how are human beings any different than machines? You know, when machines are broken and sparking yeah. Then, then we fix them. How are human beings any different? That's very telling. Yeah, this is a Supreme Court justice that says out loud, I mean, why should we treat humans any different than machines? Yeah. Yeah. I've seen, so, I've seen, I've seen robots go out into the dumpster. Like, <laughs> yeah, I've, I could think of some, I can think of nine people in robes that should go out to a dumpster. The point <laughs> of all this that I want to end with is from, 
when you hear that kind of garbage, when you hear, so it's either one of two things. She's either evil, which is totally plausible, or she's wildly uninformed, which is also plausible, or it's, or it's a combination of the two. In either event, I hope that it's examples like this, and it's not just for her, it's for every single judge, it's for every Supreme Court justice. I hope that from now on, when you think of Supreme Court justices, and specifically Sotomayor, you think of this right here. <laughs> you know, it just occurred to me right now as we're doing the show that this segment would have been better if we had played that and then I stood really still right here and then it happened to me too. Like the the, <laughs> <laughs> the face comes on Hold and on. the music starts. Well, I'll work on that right now. Yeah, okay. We... Maybe maybe that'll be a graphic we add to the show that like I'll say something and then you'll say something stupid and I'll say Dave and then it'll go back to you and your head will turn into a clown and <laughs> <laughs> the music will start. Anyway, I'm, I'm, we're doing production notes again live on yeah. the scene. <sighs> Guys, we're going to be back with the meal of the week and the viewer mail right after this commercial break. Don't go away. Dave, we're going to have to work that out, you and I, where if, if, if I'm doing any type of event or sponsorship or appearance of any kind, and I mm -hmm. get the question, how much to just call Dave right now, you give me a number. Oh, you don't have and, my cell phone number. Yeah. So you, you give me an amount, and if they, if they pony oh, yeah, up, no. then I'll just, I'll just call you right then and there on the spot, and you'll yeah. just yeah. join in. Yeah. We'll have to negotiate that. All right, we'll we'll figure out a number. So the next, oh, they asked me. So the next time they ask me, I'll have a number. Yeah. I'll say, well, Dave says for two hundred bucks, he'll you know, yeah. he'll whip come it on. out. Yeah, yeah. come on, bot I was gonna say bottomless. Yeah, yeah. Wow, great minds. <laughs> All right, <coughs> boy. Then now I feel really bad about where these memes are going this week. Uh, hey, Dave. Yes, Alan. What time is it? It's time for meme of the week. When you live in Alabama, I hope mom and dad find out. Wow. Yeah. There goes another demographic. Remember, remember what I said that we're not <laughs> we're not saying bad words anymore, but we didn't technically say any bad words no. right there. We just, you know, the podcast. But I actually <laughs> that was a last minute addition to the show. I actually had a different meme of the week, but then, you know, the natty was last night between Alabama and Georgia and Alabama lost, and I was like, well everyone, everyone will enjoy this. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
Alabama. So I, I, I learned my right? I learned my lesson. I didn't say, "Hey, Dave, did you see the national championship last night?" Because you'll you're supposed to say, "Oh yeah, what a great game." But what Dave yeah. will say is, "No, I didn't." What, <laughs> what are you talking about? Where am I? <laughs> Y'all doing a show this week? We still doing Le- the show? Leads the great conversation. All right. Uh, do we? But we do have a bonus meme. Check out the bonus <laughs> meme. Okay, He Man. I have three openings available. Um. <laughs> I love that face on on the chick there. Yeah, That's, I didn't even I, I didn't even finish reading the meme. I feel yeah. like if you don't watch the show, you just don't get it. Yeah, yeah. But if you know notice, memes, <laughs> yeah. Notice notice how we traded foul language for smut. I'm always down for that. Yeah, I don't yeah. like cursing. All right. Um it's this it's this precise moment in the show. Did you did you see how my head tilted cuz it was in the exact it was that exact moment that I was like, let me go check out the clock. And I look at the clock and I'm like, "Oh, actually we're on time." Shit. All right. Well, I guess we'll keep going. Um <laughs> as well. Let's uh let's answer some viewer mail. The graphic is literally printing out the thing, and I'm literally loading the viewer mail because I forgot to do it before the show nope. started. Yeah. Quick. Just luckily, just that takes no. Forever. I, I I need like another ten seconds. Dave, uh, do something to entertain the audience. Um. Whoa. None of my buttons are right here. I'm afraid. What do you mean none of them are right? <laughs> You've already hit all the memes and the viewer mail and everything. How can they know, not be right? My reactionary buttons aren't right. <clears throat> Oh, there it is. Okay, fine. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, I, well, now I found it. Now I got him. See, that was all Jesus. a ploy. That was that was an act yeah. by me to fill the time. I gotta say, since we're since we're doing awkward plugs this week, everybody's got to join the "It's Too Late" private community page. That's where that's yeah. where all the really good stuff goes down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and by all the good stuff, I mean. Certain members of our audience just screenshot us in compromising positions and make memes. Those are my favorite. Yeah, honestly, I I really enjoyed the one that involved you and me and a belt just a few yeah. minutes ago. Yeah, yeah. All right, <clears throat> accurate. So we're gonna start with. Actually, no. Like the first two questions are people asking questions that have been at that have been asked before. It's yeah, like they don't that. watch every week. What's wrong with these people? Um, you have some kind of party going on over there, Dave? <laughs> Can you hear that? <laughs> yeah. Shit just broke out up there. <laughs> All right. Well, we're gonna we're we're gonna we're gonna play through it. We're gonna play through that injury. Um, uh, Carl Huber writes, "Dear Alan and Dave." What outrageous conspiracy theory do you think might actually seem like a logical argument? What, Dave, what is a outrageous conspiracy theory that you think might actually be legit? I, you know, I, I spent like at least a solid like 30 seconds thinking about this one. Mm-hmm. And it seems like anymore I'm, I'm out of conspiracy theories. Like, because they have the one. Yeah, the ones that are so outlandish then that didn't actually happen, but the ones that are like, eh, it might have happened and and it yeah, it happened. It's been yeah. I'm all out. <laughs> I you know, I so I agree with you. The ones that were outrageous, 
like five minutes ago now are yeah. just on Wikipedia as being correct. Yeah. <laughs> now, yeah, yeah, um, the Earth is hollow, and there there are mole man living in there, and <laughs> yeah. So I'm gonna say I'm gonna say birds aren't real is is the new hotness, but yeah, <clears throat> but I don't think that all birds aren't real. I think birds are real. I just think that one out of every so many birds is actually a drone. That's some plausible shit right there. Yeah. Well, there you go. All right. Yeah. So, Carl, like, go go <laughs> go shoot us like forty ducks and see if like one of them mm-hmm. has parts. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Andrew Avery writes, "Dear Alan and Dave, if a carpenter married a dentist, would they fight tooth and nail?" I would hope not. Yeah, we I don't. Mean, if they, if they have a strong relationship. They can just yeah. talk it out. Yeah, I don't I don't think domestic violence is funny. No. Communication is key. You really gotta open up and let people know exactly how you feel. That <laughs> 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 I mean, wasn't I don't know. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Honesty um, actually leads to domestic violence. <laughs> Yeah. Um, apparently, this is for Dave. Dave, did you get? Oh, it's from last week's. It was last week's correspondence that you oh, did. Yeah. Dave, did you get any souvenirs from DC? Well, I don't. At, at a certain point, I wasn't sure if I was in DC anymore because it, it got really dark and we drove for a while. But not, nothing, nothing mm-hmm. from inside the the building that I was the Capitol. No. Or did they put something inside of you? I mean, I really don't want to talk about it. Oh, yeah. All right. <laughs> oh, man. This is... We were, we'll we were doing good. Now it's yeah. going off the rails, yeah. We're new, but um, we're learning. <clears throat> Eric Eli writes, Dear Alan and Dave, Shouldn't Yankees moving down to the South be restricted from voting? Well... Oh, I thought I thought he meant the baseball team. I mean, so I'm going to say yes, but I also, I just think everyone should be restricted from voting. Yeah. So. What about land-owning men? Well, they don't have to vote because it's not up for a vote. Anything that happens in their domain is whatever Uh, they want, whatever they see fit. Yeah. Yeah. That's correct. White men, though. Oh, well, that because but that goes without saying because we're <laughs> we're the only ones legally allowed to own. All right. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I can't. Yeah. We, is is there a button that's going to save this one? I don't. Try a. Try. We'll try this. One. Yeah, he's joking. <laughs> it was All right. jokes. All right. Um, uh oh. Our the official Twitch mod of it's too late. Aaron Kentner says, uh, "This is so we both so we both get a question. You get you get dear Dave. Is there a difference between fair trade and free trade? What is it, and and which is of greater importance?" I'm gonna say free trade's better. I don't I don't know whole. Oh, here I am. I don't know a whole lot about fair trade, but from what I've gleaned from it is uh, 
it seems like it's controlled somehow or or somehow manipulated so that certain people have you know a better chance at selling their product or something like that so i'm just going to say free trade <laughs> All right, um, and then he asks me, Alan, philosophical questions are for Dave only, right? Yes, correct. Okay. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Uh, oh, man, now we're getting to the bottom of the list. This is when you know things are, yeah. Um, Bob Smiley writes, Dear Alan and Dave, why do people like upper echelon dog killers? Bob's trying to make this 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 fun community segment yeah. of the show into a political segment feels like a kind of a downer yeah um because signaling your approval means you might not be the ones losing uh fido wow yeah hey, just, bob come on uh, Jonathan Kranza writes, Dear Alan and Dave, do beans go in chili? Oh, God, here we go. Oh, you haven't covered this yet? <sighs> All right. I mean, we don't, I don't think we have enough time. Like, this is a, this is a whole episode type of a question right here. Um, so I already know that Jonathan is originally from Texas. So oh, I know, I know his people. answer is, yeah, that, that beans don't go in chili. But in other parts of the country, beans do go in chili. Yeah. And I'm going to say that the official answer is beans do go in chili because Tennessee outranks Texas. Okay. Yeah. That sounds fair. So it's it's a seniority thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I see. Yeah. Yeah. And I know I know what he would say. He would say what chili was like made in Texas. And I'd be like... Yeah, we took it. It's ours. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Ryan Seifert writes, Dear Alan, Dave, and Celeste. Celeste isn't on the show. <laughs> if you want to ask Celeste something, just message her. <laughs> what is the maximum diameter of a pot pie before it becomes a regular pie? Yeah, that sounds like a Celeste oh, question. Why. Okay, yeah, I see why. Yeah. Maybe she can answer it in the comments. Let's see what comes I- up. I hope she does, but she didn't respond to it in the thread. So I guess I guess it's up to us, Dave. We got to answer Ryan's question for him. Um, it has nothing could... to do. It has nothing to no, do with yeah. diameter. It has everything to do with pie. the with the ingredients. Yeah. Remember well, actually, when pot gets tricky? Is there a, when... any kind of meat pie? There, uh, there are meat pies. Um... <clears throat> okay. Anyways. <laughs> Remember when pot pie pie was on our tier on our pie tier list, and I was like, "What the hell is this?" I, I, you, you know what? Just as a quick aside, I saw a bunch of people in the show page this week that were trying to gaslight me into doing an episode about dick rippers, but we're not going to do that this week. Oh my gosh! Yeah, they're trying to get me to talk about that. Trying to destroy you. Yeah. I mean, I do that well on my own. Thank you very much. Yeah, you don't but, need help. But we don't we don't have time for that this week. Um, Adam Sokosin also has what? What's what's everybody doing? Two part questions now. Mm. Adam says, "Dave, please choose anywhere in the world to be a farmer." Alan, please pick the crop he has to grow there. 
Oh, that's fun. That's not a question. That's a that's a demand. He's telling <laughs> us to do this. Um, Dave's going to be a farmer in Pennsylvania, but he's going to go out to where the Amish live. Yeah. Because they're going to show him the ways of the land. I need that. And the crop he has to grow is... Um, like what, what, like whatever it is they make cocaine out of. Oh no, poppies, poppies. You're gonna yeah. go to the Amish area of the state and grow poppies, and grow pop- whole fields of them, and the Marines will come out and protect them for you. Oh wow! Yeah, free security. Yep. I don't think um, the climate's aired enough around here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Justin Campbell writes, Dear Alan and Dave, did you happen to see the New York Giants run a QB sneak on third and nine from their own four-yard line? I did see that. So that's that was a oh. four-win team with nothing to play for and and from deep on their own side of the field running a QB sneak from on third and nine because that wow. was a that was a coach that was playing to not have a bad score as opposed to playing to win. And you know what else? They fired Joe Judge today. So that's that's what you get. You oh, know, th- this is a sports ball comment. I hate people yeah. that coach not to lose. You're supposed to coach to win, which means quadverts every play. Just go long. It's third and yeah. one, go long. Yeah, yeah. It's four. It's fourth down from your own five yard line. Go air long. it out. Yeah. yeah, air it out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um. Uh, Brian Johnson tried to ask a question about Game of Thrones, and I directed him to another episode. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna be gaslighted into talking about Game of Thrones again either. Yeah. yeah. Um, Elam Stoltz write, wrote, "Dear Alan and Dave, who's going to win tonight, Georgia or Alabama? Boy, oh. it's a good thing that that we have a time machine and we can mm-hmm. tell him that it's going to be Georgia. That sounds about right. Yeah." I've got, I even send this man, like, guys, I send him show notes, mm-hmm. and he still has no idea what's going on in the program. I get a little ding on my phone every week, so it's something yeah. about an email, yeah. Yeah, there, there's seven of them are unread <laughs> now for the last two yeah. I go. I go back to my original note. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. Show show everybody your note. <laughs> The, the it's note. actually this. Yeah, this isn't a joke, but this isn't a bit this, that we do. This, this is, is a real I use note. This every week. Yeah. Tells me what That's to say. the show notes for November fifth, and he's just been adding to them ever since. <laughs> All right, guys, we're going to be back to speak with our good friend and epidemiologist Gregory Carpenter right after this commercial break. <laughs> Your ad could be playing right now, reaching thousands of potential customers. Sadly, it's not, but it could be. Find out how to be an advertised sponsor for It's Too Late with Alan Mosley. Email us at info at alanmosley.tv. Guys, welcome back to the show. Our guest this evening is a recovering NSA employee, as well as he happens to be a professional epidemiologist and 
a hacker, which is an interesting combination. Maybe we'll get into that later. Greg Carpenter, welcome to the show. Thanks very much, Alan. Now, Greg, you sent me a bio that was like three pages long. Did you want to get into any of that, or do you want to just jump right into the interview? Actually, I'm trying to quit, just like uh, my time at NSA. Uh, I really do need to uh, get over that stuff. Uh, but no, in reality, um, I can do a little bit of that. I do uh, uh, epidemi epidemiology analysis for the Centers for Disease Control. That means uh, studying and analyzing diseases like COVID. I was on contract with them for a long time, analyzing COVID deaths, or, you know, morbidity, mortality, uh, as well as doing uh, cyber hacking for a number of organizations to include the uh, United Nations uh, and Defense Department. Wow. Well... As you heard here, uh, a number of organizations, I'm assuming, is not the Russians or the Chinese, so I don't care who you hacked. It doesn't bother me one bit. Yeah, at least you're open-minded about it. That's good. Okay. Well, I, I want to set the stage here for the audience a little bit, because Greg and I have gotten to know each other a little bit over the last year or two, and the stage is this. The calendar year is turning from 2019 to 2020, and here at Alan Mosley TV, we're getting ready to celebrate the 100th episode of It's Too Late with Alan Mosley. And my friend Gregory Carpenter says, Alan, I was going to come to the show, but I can't make it. I got called into work. It's all hands on deck because there's something really big coming down the pipe. And that big thing turned out to be COVID-19. So I'm going to start there. I know we discussed this the other night a little bit, but we're doing it on the big show. From the time that you arrived you know, wiping the sleep from your eyes saying, why am I having to run back into work? I had vacation planned. From the time that you arrived to today, when did you first realize that things weren't quite all as they seemed as it pertained to this new pandemic? Uh, it took about two hours after I got into the office. That's really all it was. Uh, it was pretty simple. Uh, there was a lot of information already uh, about what was going on, about what the Chinese had researched, what they understood, uh, as well as uh, some of the uh, other scientists, uh, for example, in India, uh, a paper was already published about that already. And we had learned that they had identified uh, HIV receptors in the spike proteins. That actually is true. They're forced to redact the paper. Uh, CDC and WHO put a lot of pressure on them to do that. But um, in fact, they were right. So it, it didn't take but uh just a couple hours or so for us to realize, and when I say us, I mean collectively as a group that was doing the analysis and doing the work. Well, you know, something I've been thinking about a lot just here really recently, and we talked about perhaps doing an episode on it, is there's there's a famous essay by Eugene Genovese, who was a liberal professor who then turned conservative later in his life. He was a lifelong communist, uh, and he turned away from communism, and he wrote this essay called The Question. And the question was, what did we know and when did we know it? And I feel like that that's an interesting question that can be posed to uh, public health experts, to policymakers, to people in, in the government as it pertains to how the pandemic has been handled. Um, in your opinion, do you feel like that that's a question that's ever really going to be posed to policy molders in the years or decades following this whole debacle? Or do you think it's largely going to be the way Genovese described it, which is most or all the people responsible are never really going to face the music? No one responsible will ever be held accountable for this. There is way too much uh, historical proof that we've gone through these things before, these different gyrations and these different tests of our public health system. And 
politicizing public health issues is not something that's new. It's been going on for hundreds of years, even thousands of years, I'd venture to say. Uh, the Romans did it uh, during the plague of Justinian, uh, which was uh, the first major outbreak of the bubonic plague back in the 500s, wiped out half the population of Rome. Uh, so you, you're not going to have anybody held accountable for it. I don't see it happening. And I see that if uh, one group or another, not identifying which is which or which is good or which is bad, I don't think either of them is intrinsically uh, good, but neither group will highlight the activities of another group or hold them accountable because that draws into question or can bring to light their misdeeds of the past. Now, now that's an interesting point that you started off with there, because I think most people kind of operate with this sort of recency bias of whatever whatever era I'm living in, whatever challenges I'm facing, they're somehow uniquely great and terrible, and know and that this never happened before. Everything is always novel, and and so for you to say, well, this 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 concept of the political politicization of a virus and how that can affect. Uh, policy and it not being based on the quote-unquote science necessarily. Um, you say that that's absolutely not a recent phenomenon, but I think a lot of your social media treaders circa 2022 would say, oh, well, this, you know, I don't recall this. You know, I'm X years old and I've lived through Y and Z and I just don't recall things being of this magnitude. Would you Would you at least say that maybe it's fair to say that, you know, we've had SARS and we've had you know, bird flu and swine flu and things like that. But for whatever reason, this this particular pandemic, maybe maybe it presented the opportunity for some of the worst elements to let their authoritarianism pour forth. I think the current situation we're facing is a byproduct of uh, test and evaluation over the years. For example, you mentioned bird flu, uh, mm -hmm. H1N1, uh, H3N5, uh, numerous different types of type A influences. Then you have the uh, Victoria strain of influenzas, which are the influenza Bs, that are actually much worse in many cases, as well as Ebola we, and SARS and MERS. And the public response to public health broadcasting of information about diseases has been measured in the last 20 years very carefully. That's how you get to a point where you understand where a virus that has such a very low case fatality rate, or in this case, you should start with the infection fatality rate, what we should be looking at right now still because it's ongoing. But when you look at uh, uh, a, uh, a disease like that in that manner, you'll know how people are going to react to different ideas and thoughts that you want to push forward. And this isn't a conspiracy theory. This is just fact of what was done before, what was measured, and where we're at now. And you can see where our responses, remember what happened with uh, Ebola. It was the deadliest of deadliest. It was going to kill everyone. It could live on the surface, hard surface, for 30 days. Don't go outside. Don't touch anything. People were conditioned to understand that, oh my God, there are things like that that could be this bad that will make me want to go hide inside. People started hiding inside during Ebola. They didn't want to face the possibility 
of contracting it. There was no cure for it. It was going to kill everybody. And nothing happened. And the same thing with the other diseases. And this isn't just uh, a U.S. response. This is a worldwide response. Now, now that last point right there, I, I think that that's that's kind of part of it too. Is that you know we we live in we live in a social media world, um, and what and while that can on the one hand mean that you have instant communication and you're sharing this information worldwide uh, at a, at a lightning pace, on the other hand, that also means that you have opinion molders who have their finger on the button and they can determine whose ideas whose messages who's even propaganda if i should dare say is is at the top of your feed and who has their lost voice uh, their voice lost in the crowd if not flat out are deplatformed uh so i'll i'll take a quick turn there before we move on to some of the covid-19 specifics um when you when you think of the dr Bhattacharya's, um, you know, all the people involved with the Great Barrington Declaration, you think of the Dr. McCullough's and the Dr. Malone's uh, and some of the issues that they've had with social media. Uh, so so we'll, we'll kind of circle back. Is is that more of a symptom of the modern day or is that or is that again always been the case? Has there always been silencing of uh, experts who did not fit the regime narrative? Uh, Dr. Skousen, back in 1961, wrote a book called The Naked Communist. And in that book, he pointed out the 45 goals of communism. One of is to control the minds of children. And this idea isn't lost solely on communism. It's, lo it's lost to uh, progressivism, liberalism, or any group of people that wants to change a society. They get in and they control the minds of the young children. And they do this by putting teachers in place, by changing curriculum by creating art that is not art. Uh, you can look at some of the, the junk from the 1950s. Um, who was it? Uh, Jackson Pollock, right? All of his art was funded by the CIA because it was supposed to show the new creative uh, limitless bounds of Western art and show how the communist or Soviet perspective really stunk. And it was to teach them, to give them propaganda, to undermine their education system in the same way they were undermining ours. Fast forward 30, 40, 50 years, and we're to the point now where numerous different groups are subverting the minds of the young children and teaching them what is acceptable, what is normal. Even the word normal is just a recently created concept in medicine. Back in the 1880s, 1890s, I think, there wasn't normal before that because nothing is normal. So we're looking at a world of propaganda, misinformation, disinformation, a combination of that, um, as well as people who are willingly going into this. Uh, their own personal internal biases are things that are very strong drivers for people. You don't want to be wrong. You, you want to be able to at least spout off your point and be the expert in the room, and at least in the mind of young people, because that's what they've been taught. And that's, your, that's what, exactly what you're seeing on social media these days. These people who are just putting ideas out there, thoughts out there. Uh, second point to that is that uh, follow the money. There used to be an office, where there probably still is, when I used to work up uh, in the federal government called follow the money. And that always goes back to a single point of failure. When you're, when you're looking at identifying who's driving change, you look at who funded change. Look at all the Soviet Union. 
who funded all of the uh, bonds that flooded the New York stock market in 1991 to bring down the Soviet Union? George Soros. He was helping. He was helping the Republicans to bring down the Russians. That's money. And uh, you know, then it's a little detracted from the COVID thing, but it, I think it serves the point that whoever has the money wins. Well, let's let's move on to some of the I think some of the biggest hot button things that have been in in the public eye for the last I mean, gosh, I guess going on almost two years now. Uh, I think three of the things that stand out to people specifically of covid is masks, social distancing, vaccines, mass social distancing. You know, a lot of the mandates, lockdowns have revolved around masks, social distancing vaccines. So we'll we'll start with masks. Do you think in your professional opinion that masks that that wide-scale masking as it has been observed let's say in the United States has mass have mass played any appreciable role in blunting the severity of COVID-19 transmission? I will use the words of a very wise man. I won't give my own, own opinion. Masks do less than people think. Uh they don't do anything to keep you from getting sick, but it makes people feel better about it. That was uh, my buddy, Dr. Anthony Fauci. <laughs> well, that's, you know, that's that's kind of a, a whole controversy that's gone down the memory hole right there. Of It was originally, uh, you know, it was originally, you know, don't bother wearing the masks. And then it was, well, I really only said that because I was trying to preserve masks for medical professionals. And then it was, well, actually, everyone should be wearing a mask. And, and I don't and I don't so much want to get into. Look, I understand that there are varying degrees of masking and different masks that are rated mm-hmm. uh, for different levels of protection. But I feel like really at the end of the day, that's not useful to even distinguish because it's not a matter of whether or not you can you can purchase a mask that has greater or lesser efficacy. It's a matter of what the public will do. And if anyone has ever gone to Walmart and sees people, even seeing people that are masks, wearing loose pieces of cloth under their nose or hanging off their chin, that 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 should already kind of give you a big red flag. You know, I, th- I think this mask idea won't work. But then you, on top of that, you obviously see the data of reasonably highly masked societies versus reasonably not masked societies and them having the exact same trajectories when it comes to cases, hospitalizations, etc., um, why hasn't the mask narrative completely gone away? Uh, well, that I don't know, other than um, companies that produce masks are making tons of money hand over fist. Uh, so I, I suppose, I s- suspect that you would probably have to speak to people who own those companies and see what types of contracts or relationships they have with the NIAID. Uh, interestingly enough, uh, a couple of weeks ago, the uh, NIH posted on their website the uh, drawbacks to wearing masks, listing listing uh, things like hypertension, arteriosclerosis, advanced lung disease, uh, and different types of mental disorders, psychoses, as well as uh, different uh, different uh, physical uh, injuries to your brain that can happen. And I haven't seen anybody on the news speak about that. Well, okay, we'll move on to the next one: social distancing. 
So mm-hmm. so let's let's take a quick trail down stroll down memory lane of social distancing. So first it was six feet apart, and it was well you can't eat indoors because the virus you know it congregates inside right. of the shonies. It doesn't stay outside. Uh, but and then and then it changed to well let's let's lower it to three feet apart, and well we'll eat outside, but we'll build a giant tent outside and line up tables and chairs so that that way we can have outside inside you know for those of us who don't want to eat out in the in the cold or in the in the rain. Um, has any of that served any purpose other than to just be a burden on businesses and society? The uh, social distancing rule came as kind of a knee-jerk reaction to aerosolization. And the initial decision for the, uh, the six-feet rule was a compromise between the CDC and the Trump administration. It wasn't a scientific compromise. It was a political compromise. Basically, the people at the CDC said you've got to be 10 feet apart. The people in the Trump administration said, well, the WHO said only three feet apart should be sufficient. And the agreement was met at three feet. Now, I always had a problem when uh, the EU was talking about basically two meters and, you know, we were only doing two yards. I, I think the, the difference of those six and a half inches in there probably made a big difference in the world, to be very honest with you. But now we're at a point where we we go and, for example, the, the CEO of American Airlines said, hey, I don't think we need masks anymore on planes because the filtration system, we're 99.99999% uh, clean. And Fauci said, no, I don't want to talk about it. You're going to wear masks forever. But you're going to pack people in right next to each other, and they have zero percent chance of getting a virus that affects 64 and under, you know, less than, my God, 0.01 percent of the time. I, I don't understand why we're doing that, and I can't understand uh, how or why we're going to continue doing that. There's, there's no money to be made in the three-foot, six-foot rule. All right, we're going to hit last but not least, and, and perhaps the biggest ongoing one, is the jab. Vaccines, whether it's J&J, Moderna, Pfizer, what have you, uh, we're, we unless you want to, we're not going to so much get into the nuanced differences between the different vaccines that are available. So much to say vaccine policy as a whole. So... You, were, you would have been a, labeled a conspiracy theorist, and you would have had all of your social media accounts banned if, if even weeks, much less months ago, had said, oh, the vaccines don't prevent transmission, or, oh, they're going to make you get booster after booster after booster, and, oh, if you don't get all your boosters, they're going to label you as unvaxxed or an anti-vaxxer. That would have gotten you deleted, and we, we I could not share this program if I had said those things publicly 90 days ago, and then... You know, in my opinion, somewhere between three weeks and three months, what is a conspiracy theory becomes what the CDC or uh, WHO says is true. And then everyone, we memory hole all those poor people who uh, were just a little bit too quick to the taste. So I want to get your professional opinion then on the vaccines. Rule number one in epidemiology, never vaccinate during an ongoing outbreak. Rule number one. You can't, okay. you can't keep up with mutations. Mutations are going to happen 
especially in viruses, are going to happen very quickly. The public is very surprised and at awe. Or, or we used to be a phrase in the Defense Department years ago. We would sit there and look at how China was stealing all of our information, our intellectual property and stuff. And we would sit there and go PowerPoint slide after PowerPoint slide after PowerPoint slide. And we used to sit there and go, look at that. The generals, they're just sitting and admiring the enemy because of such a complete operation. Here, the same thing with the public. The public sits and admires. They admire the fact that they're going to get more shots. We have people putting effort into this. You don't know how much they're trying well, trying doesn't cut it in epidemiology. It's either do or you don't. When you start to introduce modifications to a disease, it mutates. Here, the public is really enamorated with the fact that how fast this virus is mutating. Part of that can be drawn back to the initial where we introduced vaccinations as a variant causing possibility. We don't know if that's the case or not yet. Uh, there seems to be some genetic linkage in the uh, makeup of these new variants that make that a possibility. It looks like it has gone to mice and then come back to humans as another possibility. That wouldn't have happened. Odds are that wouldn't have happened. I mean, big numbers. If we didn't introduce modifications, this is how we got Omicron. Uh, came back from mice is what it looks like. Uh, the the additional uh, uh, modification of your genetics is, and what it is, is gene therapy. By definition, what you're being given is gene therapy. It's not a vaccination. Um, by what's happening here, the nucleus in each of the cells in your body when you receive two shots actually fills with the spike protein from the vaccine itself. It has to be the full length spike protein, not the partial three quarters, the halves that actually occur in nature naturally on the virus, but the full length that's provided in the vaccinations. And what that does, it inhibits uh, the synthesis of proteins. That stops your immune system flat out. Basically, we're seeing people with immunoglobin M levels, which is your long-term antibodies in your body, that have already recognized the disease and have been developed to fight it long term, we're finding people that after they get the two shots, their immunoglobin M level is 260, 270, somewhere very, very high. And then it immediately starts to drop. And by that six month period, you could have people with uh, an antibody level of 16. Research in November pointed that out, which is why you had to push for the, uh, the booster shots that came in so strongly, because if we give you more of the same thing that doesn't work long-term, we'll get more money. I mean, uh, it'll help you, uh, sorry, for a longer time. Well, we're, we're almost out of time here. So I, I want to, I want to turn us uh, to one last thing, which is um, the eternal debate of stupid versus evil. And there's that old phrase, you know, never attribute, attribute to malice what can be explained by uh, incompetence. Um, public health policy as a whole, and, and, and we'll just stay in the United States for this since that's, that's, that's where we are. Public health policy as a whole, as we've discussed this evening, is 
not not just not been effective, but in, in many ways arguably has been counterproductive over the course of 16, 18, 20 plus months at this point. And you're talking about um, people trying to reinvent the wheel, making decisions that fly in the face of what has been established science in the fields of epidemiology and virology for decades. In your opinion, and and I and I know that this is a this is a big hypothetical, but in your opinion, do you think that these decisions taken on the whole have been made by well-intentioned people who've got things terribly wrong, or people way too smart to be this wrong that had ulterior motives? That's an interesting question pertaining to this specific um, epoch in American history. Uh, we will talk about uh, the previous biological chemical testing of weapons on U.S. citizens and people around the world conducted by our government for, for our benefit. Um, I think you only need to go back to the 80s to see when Dr. Fauci was put in charge of the NIAID and the stack of ethics violations that he accumulated for conducting AIDS research on foster children and others. No informed consent, no knowledge of it, no uh, any type of uh, uh, adult intervention which allowed people to opt these children out of this treatment. No, they were all, I mean, I think there's a, super, there's a certain level of dum-dum uh, that happens everywhere and anywhere. And in this case, I would go back to the money aspect of it. Fauci's out touting for uh, medications as part of the treatment plan that, that don't save lives. Why? Because of his previous connections with Donald Rumsfeld and other people that sit on the, you know, on the board of directors of some of these pharmaceutical companies. The FDA gets 45% of its funding from the pharmaceutical companies. Pfizer is a prime sponsor of Fox News, CNN, MSNBC, the Today Show, you name it, they're pump, pumping tons of money into that. Pfizer's also the, uh, the, had the largest payout of any ethics violation of any pharmaceutical company, $2.3 billion. But that's all a drop in the bucket for what's really at play. That's the big money. The big money in medicine, it's based on this premise. A patient cured is a patient lost. And I'll leave it there. All right. Well, that's that's a good place to leave it. I'll I'll, I'll make one more quick comment. We missed you at episode 100, but uh, are you are you going to be joining us for the fourth annual It's Too Late live show in June? So that is the plan. Uh, barring any type of uh, work requirements again, I would definitely like to be there in June. Yes. All right. Well, you heard it here first, folks. That come to the fourth annual It's Too Late Live show. Greg will be there. We're going to have a stand set up. He's going to be sitting in there. It's going to be like Lucy. There's going to be a little little five cent charge. You go up there and ask him all your epidemiological questions. Uh, Greg, this has been great, man. Thanks for coming on the show. <laughs> Thank you, Alan. Guys, we're going to be right back after this commercial break to wrap up the show. See you then. <laughs>
If you're enjoying tonight's show, consider supporting the program by becoming a member of our Patreon. That's over at patreon.com slash Alan Mosley. Like our Facebook page. It's facebook.com slash Alan Mosley TV. You can follow me on Twitter. It's twitter.com at Alan Mosley TV. Subscribe to our YouTube page. It's youtube.com slash Alan Mosley TV. Also, go and support us on Odyssey. We're now on Odyssey. That's odyssey.com. You search It's Too Late with Alan Mosley or Alan Mosley TV. If you're more of a listener than a watcher, support us on your favorite podcasting platform of choice thanks to Anchor FM. That's anchor.fm slash Alan Mosley TV. Um... Well, I was going to ask Dave if he has a final thought, but then during the commercial, he said, what did we talk about? <laughs> I, <laughs> I had a thought. You did. And I totally blanked out on what the beginning of the show was about. Oh, now I'm remembering. Okay. It's going to take too long. Yeah. What do you, what do you mean it's going to take too long? You've already taken this much time. You might as well let us have it. Well, Dave, No, you have a final have... thought? Well, now I, I've lost my train of thought, and I'll have to start at the beginning. And we talked about Bob Saget died. That was sad. Mm-hmm. Bob Saget died. That was sad. Mary was really sad. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's sad. There you go. Uh, I don't have a button. I have to do it. Yeah, <laughs> there's no button. Too. <laughs> oh, there we go. I'm gonna I'm gonna make a new one of those, but one of the balloons will say no, Dave. <laughs> Guys, thank you so much for listening to another episode of It's Too Late, and we will see you next week.